I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Mara McGrew, who is the founder of Soply. And if you have not heard of Soply, maybe you've seen it at uh, West Elm stores and many other locations as well. It's also available online, of course, but uh, it's an incredible, incredible product and with an incredible founder and CEO as well, who is Mara. And uh, we are very, very excited to have her here. So Soply is really pretty simple. They sell great soap on their site. Actually, the site is soplybox.com. And they sell amazing soaps but uh, that consumers love, but it has a lot better ingredients and truly better ingredients, very unique ingredients that not only are better, but also feel better. And after learning about the lack of label requirements, transparency, and some safety regulations, Mara saw a hole in the market that she needed to clean up. Sound familiar? Sounds like a entrepreneur in the making for sure. So Soply is also funding many amazing projects in the water and sanitation space too, and helping millions around the world. And I love her commitment and the backstory. And of course, the products are absolutely amazing. So I'm super excited to have everybody introduced to Mara and the company. So welcome. Thank you for having me, Kara. I'm so excited to be here and to share Supply's story. I love talking about soap, saponification, the global importance of hand washing. So you'll have to stop me. I can talk all day. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, it's so great. So before we get into hearing about Supply and your journey and building it, I would love to hear more about what you were doing before you started Supply. Okay. So my background is actually in science. I started my career working in a marine chemical ecology lab. I was doing antimicrobial and antibacterial research, working on drug discovery, which has come full circle and helped quite a bit when it came to formulating and creating a superior product. Um, But my career did start in a marine chemical ecology lab. Like I said, I was doing what I would consider pretty sexy science. We were, I only use that word sexy, by the way, when I'm describing science, which I think might say something about me and who I am, Uh, but pretty sexy science. We were scuba diving in some of the most pristine coral reefs in the world. We were collecting organisms. We were collecting sponges and seaweeds, and we were taking them back to the lab. We were testing them for antimicrobial, antibacterial, anti-cancer, anti-malaria properties. We were then purifying those compounds and patenting them and then working, partnering with some of the largest players in the space to push drug development forward. And 
It was in doing that research that I first had an opportunity to get exposed to journalists because journalists were excited about the story. You know, marine scientists scuba diving to find the cure to cancer. It's a sexy headline. And I realized I loved being the liaison between the lab and the journalist and communicating and disseminating scientific information in a way that was factual, but also got people excited and allowed them to understand what was actually happening. And then I ended up getting offered a position at National Geographic, which was my childhood dream and took it. And then that turned into an opportunity through TED Talks where I was hired to build out um, what is now called Mission Blue, which was the result of Dr. Sylvia Earle's TED Prize. And it was through talking at an event in Idaho that <laughs> someone in the audience was one of the founders of one of the largest tourism operators in Africa. And he came up to me afterwards and shared this vision of formalizing their impact and how and why it was so critical to their business, to their bottom line, to fund conservation and empowerment in the local communities, have local buy it, um, how to formalize that, how they were looking to, to really roll it all out. And I let them know I'm not really interested in the tourism space. <laughs> um, and Two weeks later, my bag was packed. I was on a flight to South Africa, and it was the beginning of over two and a half years um, living on the continent. And really, that ended up being the propeller, that experience, the exposure that I got through that experience um, that set me on the journey to start supply. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part, each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code GOLDEN50 at factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. 
I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined too. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. That's wild. So it's one thing to uh, be doing a lot of scientific research and enjoy soap and believe in it, but it's another thing to actually decide, I'm going to go and produce these products and also develop a company around it with no experience doing it. So uh, very courageous on many, many levels or or stupid. I'm not sure. That's what I always say about starting uh, the company that I started, Hint. Um, So uh, tell me a little bit about that day. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the why behind supply, the reason that I started supply really is impact. And it's at the center of everything that we do. When people talk about starting a business, to your point, is it you know stupid? I'm not sure. Um, but really, the why behind supply was I saw the reality of um, preventable child mortality. I saw the difference that mm-hmm. the simple act of hand washing could make. I saw kids getting sick from diseases like diarrheal disease and respiratory disease, and they weren't just missing out on a day of school they were losing their life. And it was personal. I realized it was something I cared about immensely. I saw the difference that it could make that sustainable investments in water, sanitation, and hygiene, hand washing specifically, the difference it could make in an individual life, in a classroom, in an entire community. And I said, I want to fund this. I want to figure out how to fund it. And I realized that my background, my network, 
put me in a position of privilege that I thought, you know what, I could do a fundraiser. I could raise a little money, fund a project, but I didn't want to fund a project. I wanted to change how we fund handwashing. I wanted to set new benchmarks. I wanted to save lives. And I realized to do that, I needed a sustainable business. I needed a sustainable revenue stream. And so the initial idea for supply really was sell soap that helps get soap in the hands that need it. It was inspired by learning one stark fact that is depressing. And I share only because it's important to know a problem exists to be able to solve a problem. So yeah. I learned that 1.7 million children under the age of five were losing their life every year before they were able to celebrate their fifth birthday because of diseases we could prevent entirely through the simple act of handwashing with soap. Today, wow. that number has been reduced slightly. Today, 1.4 million children under the age of five are losing their lives every year because of diseases we could prevent entirely through the simple act of handwashing with soap. It's crazy. I started supply to change that and I will not stop until we do. Uh, preventable death should be prevented, period. And it was really that unfortunate fact that inspired me to start supply that made that light bulb go off in my mind. And I moved back to the US saying, you know what? I'm going to start a soap company that's going to solve this global handwashing problem. And it was only in getting back to the U.S. that I realized we have a soap problem of our own right here in the U.S. And we could do more than just solve this global access problem. We could solve the problem we're facing as consumers in the United States when it comes to this product that we're using every single day. We could take an everyday essential, soap, make it better, and solve essential problems. Um, that I love that. You might be thinking like, what's the problem that we're facing here in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's safety. Soap in the U.S. is surprisingly unsafe. Most soaps huh. on store shelves, they're not soap at all. They're detergents. They're drying detergents. Mm -hmm. The last few years, we've been washing our hands more than ever. And you probably looked down at some point, looked at your skin and thought, Oh my gosh, is that snake skin or is that my skin? They're dry. Your nail beds are dry, maybe cracking. People often don't realize that that has a lot to do with the soap you're using. A true soap supply mm -hmm. is a true soap, not a drying detergent, is not going to strip your skin as it cleanses. It's going to nourish your skin. It's going to leave your skin feeling moisturized. You don't feel like you have to reach for lotion. Um, so the problem that we were facing here in the U.S. was around safety. It was around ingredients. It was around quality. And again, and I think that, you know, when I talk to any entrepreneur, you know this, it often is personal. You see a problem you're facing. There isn't a solution. And you say, I'm going to solve it. And for me, I grew up with eczema. Soap has always been something I've been aware of because as a kid, it was an irritant. I couldn't wash mm -hmm. up with certain soaps because it would cause my skin to break out. You know, anyone that suffers from any kind of sensitivity knows that pain. There is nothing like searching for everyday products that you actually need that will work, that won't cause you to break out and be irritated. 
Um, and so growing up, I was aware of the sensitivity. I was aware of the soap I was using. I was reaching for soap that my dermatologist had recommended when I was a kid and I was using it blindly because it worked. I never looked at the back of it, mm-hmm. looked to see what the ingredients were. But at that point, I'd moved back already in the back of my mind. I'm like, I'm starting a soap company. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to convince people to help us fund this problem globally. And unfortunately, my mother was going through chemo. And well, at that point, she had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I flew back to Colorado where I'm from and was meeting with her and the doctor. And the doctor gave us this stack of things that she needed to be aware of while she was going through chemo. And within that stack was a list of things she needed to avoid. Everything from a buffet, which might have bacteria, Mm -hmm. to soap. And my little brain starts saying, soap? Why? And that's when I learned that most soaps were detergents. And they're really harsh. Mm -hmm. And my mom, when she was going through chemo, like so many people, her skin thinned. And when your skin thins it's more susceptible. And so when you might be using a soap that often, you know, creates a little bit of irritation in the day-to-day, you might not think anything of it. Maybe it itches a little bit, but if you're susceptible, your skin is thinned, all of a sudden she looked down, she was using this soap product that I had been recommended for sensitive skin. And all of a sudden it was creating almost what looked like ulcers. And she's needing to wash her hands, you know, at a time in her life where she needed to be washing them more than ever. She was susceptible. And then yeah. it turns out most soaps on store shelves or next to your sink or your friend's sink or your favorite restaurant, they're heavily scented. And she was so sensitive to scent and it would make her nauseous. And it put into motion this idea that here is this product that all of us actually need soap. We need soap to keep us clean, but more importantly, we need soap to keep us healthy. We all need three things when you really break it down. Food, water, and our health. So one of the things that I realized uh, was has been sneaking more and more into soaps that didn't even have it before is a lot of the sulfates. And it's it, it's fascinating to me because... That's something that has always, my skin is very sensitive to, and uh, it's very frustrating because soaps that I've, you know, used before, they'll sneak it in there. Maybe they'll get acquired by a company and then they'll uh, go and sneak it in there as it's a preservative. And so I'm, I'm very aware of it because it will cause me to have um, cystic acne um, on my face. I was saying, yeah, that is, you're hitting the nail on the head. I think a lot of People don't realize that when acquisitions happen, one of the things that happens with a lot of these, especially luxury products, is there's often a reformulation. Yeah. And there's a desire to cut costs. And soap is one of these things where quality and price are directly correlated. It costs more money to use good ingredients. Yeah. Like sneaking in a sulfate is a cost saver. Totally. And that was so I'm I'm so curious, like when you actually went to formulate your product, you're probably dealing with some of the same manufacturers and you're bringing in a, you know, formulation that they're like, 
uh, you could just use this, this, and this instead, and it'll be fine. Uh, how hard was it to find a co-packer that would actually do this product that in a different way? Because uh, we definitely went through that when we were formulating without preservatives, but I'm so curious like how difficult it was for you. I mean, the short answer is crazy difficult. Yeah. The long answer is when it comes to soap, one thing I realized really quickly is that soap making isn't art. Uh-huh. It's a craft. And it's something that has been perfected over the ages. You know, different regions of the world use different recipes. They're using different um, formulations and practices to cure the soap. And one of the things that became really interesting to me, you know, and this is where my research and background in science came in, is I was like, I want to learn from the best soap makers in the world. And I started making soap with anyone and everyone I could. I made soap with the oldest family making soap in Tripoli. I made soap with soap makers throughout France, throughout Canada, the U.S. And I had a very long list of things that I said, I know I don't want in here. And here's what I do want. And it turns out, like you said, people want to cut costs. And one of the things we wanted to make sure was not in our soap was palm oil. Yeah. You know, palm oil is in almost every single thing that's on store shelves. It doesn't need to be in the soap you're using. It's cheaper, but it doesn't need to be there. And so how can we work with an individual or a group that is willing to to produce a formula that doesn't cut costs in that way, that won't add that in? And then, you know, what we realized and what was important to me early on is not just say that we're safe, not just say that we're making a difference in terms of using better ingredients, but how do we actually show it? And so it turns out soap does not, it's not regulated. It's not required to be labeled. It's not required to be tested for safety. And so how do you add transparency when that's not required? And so one of the things that early on I said is we're going to use food grade organic oils. That is regulated. We can source that and it can add a bit of transparency. And then when we're formulating, how do we say it's safe? And no, because what happens to the little guys oftentimes, and you know this, is they'll say one thing and then they sneak something else in and you have no idea. And so for supply, we realized that saying that it's organic is not enough. Supply is certified made safe. It's a third-party nonprofit that tests the product. It will not bioaccumulate in your body. It also is safe to go into our ecosystem, right? What you're putting on your hands is going down your drain and it's entering our ecosystem. Yeah. And so we want to make sure it's not going to bioaccumulate and hurt the little fishies and the plants and the environment that we love so much. So supply is certified, made safe. It's something I'm crazy proud of what's in our product, but more importantly, what's not. Yeah. So interesting. So you also talked about funding projects and which is, you know, close to your heart. And obviously you had worked on a lot of different initiatives prior to starting Soapley, but can you talk a little bit about that? Like how, how does that all work? Yeah. So when it comes to how, where, and why we give the way we do, Supply is uh, looking at a impact model where we tie a direct donation to every ounce sold. Um, every eight ounces of supply is tied to a direct $1 donation. That means that our sink side bottle is tied to a $1 donation. Our refill bottle is tied to a $4 donation. Um, it's a large part 
of what we do and how we do things. When it comes to how we give, um, we're, we're aware that each community is unique. Each region is unique. It has unique needs. You know, if you go to one school, there might be the possibility of having, for example, a well Mm -hmm. in another area at another school, the only option might be a water catchment system. And you need local resources to help fulfill on those needs so that things can be repaired. You need local buy-in, ownership. Um, And so what we really do is we look very area-specific. We work one area at a time, one region at a time. We work through local NGOs. Um, Right now, our impact is focused in Ethiopia and in India. Um, We work through REST and through Splash. Um, And that is something that, for me, uh, is really what keeps me going. It's the why behind supply. It's the thing that keeps me up at night, you know, making sure that I'm putting in the extra hours because I care endlessly about it. That's that's so great. It's so great to be able to really tie your passion and your your you know interests in in disrupting and changing something for the better into a product. Obviously, you're not a nonprofit. Uh, you are a for-profit company, but you're able to do that. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, we, we have been able to do as well at Hint. And I think it's surprising to many of my friends who sort of have those kind of passions that work in a for-profit sector, a big company, but they just don't think that they could ever do that in a, you know, small startup. And uh, I think you're just another great example of being able to do that. And it's an opportunity to your point. I mean, I think that with the size of the company and coming in, when you're a smaller company, you have the opportunity to really do things differently. To say, you know, when it comes, for example, to water sanitation and hygiene, the NGOs are, you know, they have a way that they give. Um, and they have reporting that they need to do. And when it comes to these Goliath companies, they're looking at marketing and they're looking at a lot of different things. And sometimes it takes the little guy to come in and say, you can do it better. We're going to prove it. And here are all of these individual consumers who care as much as we do. And they're going to show you with their dollars that you not only can do it, you have to do it. If you're not going to value a line, they're not going to buy from you. Um, you have to stand for more. And so that's been really, I think, rewarding too, is not just saying, here's this thing we're going to do, but seeing how consumers are part of it. They're not just saying like, we're upgrading our soap. They're proudly sharing, you know, oh, did you see that bottle of soap in my bathroom? It says it's more than soap. At a dinner table, they're telling their dinner guests, here's why. I love it. And they're all of a sudden talking about the importance of hand washing. And it's something that, you know, in the U.S., we often take for granted. We don't think of it as a luxury, yeah. but it absolutely is. No, I, lo- I love that. So how have you gotten the word out? You talked about consumers and sort of word of mouth, uh, but... Obviously, uh, getting the word out and marketing, especially when you're a small company, like how have you gotten the word out about uh, about supply? Hand to hand, person to person. Uh, and I think this is, you know, one of the beautiful things about having a really strong why 
is it makes you do some crazy things to make sure yeah. you get in front of the right people. Um, so why I started when we first launched, uh, I worked with West Elm okay. and they allowed us to do these pop-ups in store. And we unofficially launched with them every single day from Thanksgiving. No. Yeah. The day before Thanksgiving until Christmas day, I was in store by myself with my cart of soap that I would bring every day, set up my little stand. And West Elm did an amazing thing. They said, you know what? You set it up. You take payments. We won't take anything from you. We want, we believe in what you're doing. We want you to succeed. And they said, here's the deal. You have to stay with your product. We're not responsible for it. And so I didn't have employees. You know, it was me. So I'm taking the subway in New York City with my cart of soap. I'm going into, you know, West Elm before they open. I allowed myself to have one cup of coffee, one glass of water, one snack bar because I couldn't go to the bathroom. Amazing. (laughs) Believe my product. And anyone that walked through that door, I was telling them about supply. I was telling them about our mission. I was telling them how changing their soap wouldn't just keep plastic out of our oceans, right? We're bottled and refillable glass bottles, but would help us fund this project and these programs around the world that were saving lives. And people bought, people became part of what we were building, what I was building. And unbeknownst to me, one of the people who bought, who bought multiple boxes, I think 15, ended up being a journalist for the New York Times. And awesome. 24 hours before the New York Times ran a feature on supply, I got a call fact-checking my name, my age, and I think where I was from. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's the absolute dream. Yeah. And we funded supply for two years based on the sales that came off of that. It was, we sold only prepaid subscriptions. Today we sell one-off purchases and also we have pay-as-you-go subscriptions. At that time, I started supply with $5,000. Crazy. You know, people say things like that. I actually started supply with $5,000 and a crazy hustle and this lofty vision that just, I wouldn't stop until I... I love it. And so that sort of like hustle is really it. It's, you know, individuals telling them about it, but then turning around and the empowered individual that's informed, choosing to share supply. And so the New York Times featured supply, food and wine featured supply, uh, the Wall Street Journal, um, Vogue. I have a crazy story about Vogue where I got that the news that they featured us while I was in the middle of an impact trip, violently ill. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but they changed the course of our our business. That's amazing. Well, I love the ESG approach and everything that you're doing around developing a product and uh, and really developing a better product that is not only um, you know better ingredients, but also just a, such a beautiful packaging. It feels great. Everything about it is just super, super lovely. What do you think is probably the hardest thing uh, for you that maybe you didn't think uh, was you were going to encounter when you decided to launch this company. I, I think it's, uh, 
you know, there are so many aspects every single day and being an entrepreneur that uh, you run into all these barriers um, that, but is there something that you're, that, you know, has just sort of been a, a wall, but, and you said, I got to figure this out somehow, some way. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I think that it continues to change every year, you know, supply has been around since well, before hand washing was cool, before the pandemic hit. And it means that, you know, it, each year comes with its own challenges. The first challenge is, you know, how do you get into the retailer? Mm-hmm. The next one is how do you increase the funnel? How do you not just get in that partner's door, but how do we expand those doors? Um, I'd say the thing that has been a challenge and also such a gift for supply is we take such a holistic approach to what we mm-hmm. do. It doesn't just matter, you know, what's in the product. It matters how it's packaged. It matters what the impact of that, the ingredients, the packaging and the sale itself, what that does. And so owning the supply chain has come with extreme challenges, um, but also rewards that I never could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to other entrepreneurs that ask me about, you know, what's one thing you'd recommend doing at the beginning? And one of the first things I say is know your supply chain. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how many founders do not no know idea. their supply chain. Yeah. No idea. And we're roughly reminded of that during like peak pandemic. But one of the examples I give is Supply has this really beautiful artist series. It's one of the things that I love the most. Um, we have six unique artists. They're incredible. Um, the first artist is Oliver Jeffers. He's a New York Times bestselling illustrator and author. We have a New Yorker cartoonist, a National Geographic explorer. And all of them bring their own style and um, create this unique artwork for the bottle. And part of that process is it's a limited edition run. And we silk screen each of those by hand. Amazing. And um, one of the things I learned in that process is one of the artists came to me and said, you know, here's the design. I want it printed in this color. Hmm. And the color was red. Hmm. And I went, I don't know if you're saying, hmm, because maybe you know this, um, but I didn't at the time. So I go to the printer and we're sitting there and talking to the, the folks that are going to silk screen it. And I share the color swatch. And I say, here's what we're going to color match to. And they look at me and they just say, no. (laughs) And I say, what? Why not? I'm paying you. Yes. (laughs) They say, no, you can print with that color one place in the world. That is so toxic to print with. Red ink and guess what? There is red ink on a lot of glass. Interesting. There are soap bottles with red ink on them. There's rainbows on glass bottles. There's measuring cups with red I ink. I did not know this. And there's high-end face creams with red ink. It turns out it contains mercury. It is banned. Huh. And you can only print with that in China. And it's something that without having direct access and control over the supply chain, even as an entrepreneur who cares a lot, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And that is the kind of detail and also, frankly, the authenticity with which supply is being built that allows us to be a brand that I can come on and chat with you and be super proud of the details. Because at the end of the day, 
It's the details that matter. And it is those unexpected challenges that pop up that you have no idea about until you know. And owning the supply chain, really understanding the supply chain yes. as a founder, you've got to do it. Um, but it, it takes time. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want to. Sometimes it's easier to say, just give me the quote, I'll sign off. Well, I think but you're 100% right. I think really understanding, especially, uh, you know, as a, as a founder, every aspect of your business until you can have somebody come in uh, and actually, as I say, spend more time on it. Not necessarily do it better, uh, but spend more time on it so that you can um, you can definitely adjust and uh, and make lots of improvements along the way uh, as you're doing it. I think that that's really important. But having an understanding of every single aspect of the business is absolutely key. And I think also having uh, an interest in in really wanting to learn too, that I think that that is a key thing for entrepreneurs is really having a passion and an understanding like that you're building the puzzle as you're doing it. And I think that that is so right on what you're doing right now. It's, it just seems so, so clear. So last question, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Whoa, the hard hitting questions, the best ever. Hmm. That's a great question. So I'm sure I should share a piece of advice that an advisor or investor or someone gave me, but I think that my, this is advice to live by. I think, and it carries over into the work that I do and the ethos with which I want to grow supply, which came from my brother um, in a letter he left on my pillow when he went to college. I'm the younger sister. He wrote me this letter and in it, he said, he's the best big brother. I'll preface it with that. (laughs) But he said, to settle for the status quo is to be ordinary Mm -hmm. and you're anything but ordinary. And as I build supply, that is something that I come back to, which is sometimes it's easy to settle for the status quo and it's hard to push forward. And um, I guess then a piece of advice that an advisor has given is the people who succeed keep going Mm -hmm. and to be relentless in your pursuit of something more than the status quo. That would be my advice. I love that. Well, Mara, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have all the info in the show notes uh, for supply uh, and uh, and for you as well. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and best of luck with everything. We're so excited to have everybody try it uh, as well. So everybody needs to go online and order and uh, and definitely check out the website for more information where you can get it offline as well. So thank you, Mara. Thank you for having me on. And I think hopefully we can share a discount code so we can get you all supply. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. 
Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.